Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is Nicole DeGroat. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Yes. And I just heard her near-death experience the other day. And I thought I've got to have her on. And she was so happy to say yes. And so I'm so happy for her to take time out of her busy life and uh, tell <laughs> us her story. Okay, so um, starting out, I do like to explain a little of where I was in my life before this happened, because it was, I was kind of calling this answer into my experience by how I was feeling about life in general. I was circling the drain. I didn't want to live. I had no drive to go on anymore. I was exhausted. I, my whole life growing up, I thought I was dark. I thought there was something wrong with me, and I was unworthy of love or of attention, that no one knew I existed. I was invisible. So I developed negative habits in my 20s of filling this void I had believed I had um, with relationships or drugs or alcohol, anything that would numb me, make me replace that emptiness in me, make me feel like I was getting, you know, myself filled in some way, but it was never enough. And, that, you know, it was just always chasing more and more and more or, or something else. I'd, I'd turn my attention somewhere else and go after this or that. So, um, at one, this one night, it was October 31st, Halloween of 2014, um, I overdosed and, um, it was probably, this, this was probably the scariest moment of my life. I had, this was my first NDE. I've had two. Um, this was my first one and this was totally fear-based for me because I had no bigger, I had no higher calling at this point. I was literally circling the drain. I had no positive thoughts. So death to me was, it was scary and dark. I felt disconnected from past on loved ones. I didn't have, I didn't feel connection. I was scared of death. And so as soon as I overdosed, I, I it, it went dark first. I did, I do remember like drifting off. And then as soon as my awareness came back, like my consciousness, I just ran out of my body. Like I, I felt the heaviness, but I was able to rise up from that and run. Now, growing up, my grandmother lived three houses down from me and she was like my mother growing up. I, I had a hard childhood. Anytime anything went wrong, I ran down to her house. I'd run through her door and lay on her lap and she'd rub my back and I'd sleep over or we'd watch movies, anything to make me feel better. And so during this, she had been passed on for seven years at this time. And, you know, that, that disconnect also affected me a lot. So um, when I ran out of my body um, after the overdose, I ran to her house as if I knew she'd be there, even though she had been passed on. I, I ran right there, certain in my heart, nothing, it, it wasn't a worry. I just knew I was going to see her there. I knew it. Nothing even, you know, Nothing doubted that in my mind at all. And as I ran down the street, I noticed that time was slowing down. And as time was slowing down, resistance was pushing me back. Like I couldn't run as fast as I wanted to. Um, I, it was kind of like running in sand or something. I was just, it was something was stopping me. And I saw the light coming out from her window in her living room. She had a huge front window. We'd always be, whoever passed by her house, you could see into her living room. You'd see her sitting on the couch. And so, um, I got up to the window and as I got up to the window, I was stopped and she was sitting there and it was, it was the familiar picture of her. I've been dying to see for seven years. It was just, it was home. It looked like home to me. Um, however, I, 
my impulse was to run through her front door, run onto her lap. She'd rub my back, but I could not move. I was being stopped. I was being silenced. I couldn't, I wanted to yell her name out, but I could not. Something was stopping me. And I remember in my mind, I kept saying, I want to run in. Like, I want to come, let me come in. And, and something was going, not yet. Uh, this is more an observe. We want you to observe what is going on. You cannot be of it yet. You cannot be in it yet. Not your time, but observe this, see this. Now, what was funny about this was this all was taking place in the, at night for me. So it was kind of now looking back to me, it was like the light in the dark for me. You know, it wasn't this big, the, my second experience was a lot of light, like light beings beaming on me. This was more of like my little light in the dark that I was needing at my time, at the time in my life where I was circling the drain. This was the answer that would fill that void so I could continue back in my life and live in a way where I could be productive and help others and make a difference, be there for my daughter. So this was more of like, I don't know if it, more of an, I wasn't, I don't think it was intended that I was going to die at this point. I think this was more of a, an out of body, look what's going on here. Take, you know, take this into your heart before you go back so that your life can change. That's basically what my grandmother was trying to give me the gift of was this answer that, you know, I feel like she, so she was aware of me my, this entire time. Since she had passed, her attention had been on me completely because we become multidimensional. So we're able to be everywhere all at once and of everything. So she never, ever really left me. I just didn't know she was there. So now that I was having this experience, I was getting to see that she had always been there waiting for me in every way possible, I just wasn't aware. So they were showing me so that life could be a little less hard for me going forward. And I do believe, and, and as soon as I realized that and uh, that I wasn't gonna get to stay or run in and be with her, and that I was gonna have to go back, I was sucked like in a tunnel, like back into my body. And I, I was slit and it was painful. I remember being painful, like kind of like, ow, like, you know, I felt so free before this. I was so of everything and, and free. And now it was like I was in pain all of a sudden. And I opened my eyes and there was a, a lot of cops in my room and chaos. My bed was across the room. I mean, it was just mayhem going on in my room at the time. So just I opened my eyes. So um, that was my first experience, which to me is, is kind of like a fraction of what I experienced the second time. Because this, this first experience and then my best, my best friend passing in 2015 from drugs and him being relentless with communicating with me put me on the path to a, awakening during this time before my second NDE so my second NDE okay <laughs> okay um my my second <laughs> my second NDE was um was way more intense for me because I was open more open to um me being you know, of the light, me being worthy of receiving messages from passed on loved ones, which I had been having since my first NDE, my grandmother, my best friend passed in 2015. He always made himself that, that he was aware of me and, and it, like intelligent responses from him, intelligent interactions from him that let me know it was like in time real, which was, you know, it's, it's when you're having a, your own personal, um, 
perception throughout the day or you hear a song and something happens, it's like, it's all for you. So you having that moment where someone communicates with you, it's so personal. I mean, I've had such ex beautiful experiences that if you were in my head all day, observing what I was observing and then had this experience, you'd probably cry and be amazed too. But when you tell somebody what happened, since they can't see through your eyes, it, it kind of dumbs it down a little. I mean, you, you see the reaction and it's not as great as you'd wanted it to be. And then it lessens it inside of you. So I actually ended up not telling people a lot of things that were happening around me because I felt like when I did, the reaction didn't mirror what I was hoping it would be for such a bit. To me, it was so beautiful and it would bring me to tears. It was just so like these synchronicities I was having and these amazing moments. It, it was important for me to realize that they were for me and they weren't for me to tell anybody else or to have anybody else validate them. It was all for me. So yeah, words um, don't do it. <laughs> but my, no, they don't <laughs> definitely experience teaches. So, um, my best friend passed in 2015 and then I kept, I would have these beautiful few weeks of clarity and meditating and getting there and, and having my worthiness kind of peek through and then I'd fall off again. Something would happen. I still didn't know how to cope really with life. And I would go to my old habits and do the old things I used to do. And when I would do that at this point, since I was having long spouts of being well and, and feeling good, when I would go off the deep end, I beat my, I went, I went hard. And then I beat myself up very, very bad for it. A spiritually, now it was a spiritual issue with me. Before it was just like a physical struggle thing. Now I had, I kind of had like this knowing, so it, it was harder on me to bounce back from that because I'm kind of like, you know better now. You, you've had these experiences. What are you doing to yourself? So, um, in February of 2016, I was up for three days in a row doing drugs and drinking. And at the end of the three days, where I was kind of at the point where my body was just like it couldn't really take much more. Um, I started chugging a handle of vodka to try to make it all stop. I was Googling how to die at home, eat, like easy ways to die at home, like a cowardly way to die at home. Cause I was just so miserable with my life. I, I, I was so disappointed in what I had done. I knew people were going to be mad at me and I just wanted to, I wanted to die so bad that day. I really did. And it's kind of like my prayers were answered, but in a way where I could wake up and stop this cycle of hell I was in. So um, I felt my heart pounding so hard. And my, I just remember knowing my body was just like, I knew my body was done. And um, I ended up dropping and, and all that. But to me, I never, I never acknowledged that I dropped. I, a shift happened in my conscious, like my awareness shifted. I felt the, the, my heart racing and my, my thoughts racing and being really scared. And then all of a sudden, like instantly I was in peace. My body felt like it lifted. Like it felt like euphoria. I felt like I got my prayers answered in a min in an instant. And I did. And to my logical mind for a minute, I'm like, wait, how, <laughs> how did this just happen? How did I just get filled with this peace? This is not, this doesn't make sense. I was just so scared. And I remember like the colors around me, it was like everything started buzzing in my head and the colors like had energy in them and the like the sounds had energy. Everything started to become so one with me. I started to realize now that I had this first experience a couple years ago and, and now, but I wasn't so fearful this time because I had connection to the other side a little at this point and I was kind of, I had the faith and, and so I was, I was 
it was beautiful to me. It wasn't scary. Um, and I just remember being called to go outside. I was like very, very called to being going, being outside just like the last time. Cause I ran out, but this time it was like, I was walking and I was observing everything around me and appreciating it. And like understanding why I couldn't see or hear or smell things like this before and how I was kind of dumbed down in this physical body. And now I was able to really receive all that is in, you know, in my being. And so um, I actually think if I was outside, I mean, it was like a transition. I could see the change in this, in this house, you know, this is artificial house, which I could handle. And once I went outside, I mean, nature and everything like that, that becoming what it really is, that was the real show. I mean, the sky, the trees, the, the grass. I mean, it was just walking outside and it was, it wasn't night this time. It was bright, beautiful lights. It was like a celebration. Like I was walking out into a celebration instead of into fear. It was love. I was walking outside into this love, this embracing light that I can't even explain to you. I mean, I've tried to explain it. Like it was real light. It was real. It was the most, it was the realest thing I ever lays my, laid my eyes on. And it, it brings you to these euphoric, you can't even control it, like orgasmic tears because you're just like beholding this beautiful thing that you've never seen with your senses ever. And that has just always been there. And you realize it's because we're physical that we can't take that all in. Otherwise, we I think we'd vibrate right out of our bodies because we just wouldn't be able to take it. <laughs> so it was like that. And um I mean, as I got, as I started walking more and more outside and in, into the light, I started to get clarity about myself and I started to laugh so hard at myself for being so scared and for being so worried and anxious and thinking I was nobody and thinking I was unworthy and that I had to hurt myself to get by. I had to cope like, and, and that this, this was available to me if I had just tapped into it and it was like the best drug ever because this is real. This is, this isn't something you have to buy and then it wears away or it's, it's real. And it was always there. And, um, so I started laughing. I remember thinking, Oh my God, Monday's never coming again. The bills are never coming again. Like nothing's coming for me anymore. Like this is, this is oh, stopped. Everything just stopped and became, it was like my paradise. And so, um, as I, I got closer into the light, I saw the, these beings of light that had always been there always always been there it was the veil was lifting for me as I walked in more and more into this clarity of light this this all loving it was all that was all that is this was this this is what this light was it was all that all that is and it was as you as you become one with this light you are filled with the clarity that this light gives and I was just seeing the veil lifting and that all of these things had been here this whole time available to me but I was just cut off from it because of my own perception in life and so to know that these beings had always been focused on me, loving me, pouring their light onto me, encouraging me to be my, the best version of myself, always loving me. Even if when I was hating myself at my worst moments, they were loving me the same way, unconditionally. And to know that for me, really, that healed a lot of me because there were so many times I felt so alone and I felt like no one was focused on me. No one even knew I existed. No one. Meanwhile, the biggest force in the universe knew I existed at every moment in every single moment. And I was just cut off from it. So I got to see that this was all available to me. And, um, you know, I saw the, the further I go into the light, the further into the peace, it would be, it would be more of like, 
going into my own personal heaven. I came to earth to experience contrast, which gives birth to my preferences and, and what I want to be and what I want to do. And I felt like going into the light, it would just be continuing that life of my, of my preferences, of, of my inspirations, manifestation, my, my dreams and instant manifestation of thought. It was just going to be this beautiful becoming, becoming, always becoming. Um, but then as I started to shift into see that, to see that and what that would entail, like becoming one with the light, finally joining the light again, I started to turn. And as I turned, I saw my new perception and what my new perception would be as being of this light with all these beings. And I started to see that those I was physical with on earth were not going to be aware of my attention yet. They were actually going to be turned away from me. I would be sh shining myself onto them and, and, and focused on them always, but they weren't going to be aware of it because of their grief and because of their disconnect that they believe that they have, because we can all be connected, but most of us believe that we aren't. So I saw for a long time, my daughter would not acknowledge my presence. She would suffer a lot. She would go through her own issues. Like I had, it was kind of just going to be like, I was like, she was going to be a manifestation of me all over again. She was going to go through. And as a parent, like, I just couldn't, I feel like we're, we're, if even if we change our children's lives in the slightest for the better that we did our job. And I, I saw at this moment that I was just going to be leaving her exactly to be just like me. She was going to end up being just like me suffering, doing drugs, messed up, you know? So I saw it was going to take her a while to, to realize, you know, where I was and that I was there. And I started to freak out when I realized that I, I felt like I had to fight for my def defend my life. Now I, I needed to be like, no, no, you can't take me. I, this is all great. And this is all wonderful to know of eternity and eternal bliss and that I'm infinite, but I can't go. I, I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't leave her. And then it was like, everything, everything stayed strong. The, the light stood strong. And what it did was it was funny. It was also funny to me as I was putting out this, fear and panic, the light was lifting it from me, transmuting it into knowledge and clarity and knowing and eternal life. And it was putting it back into me so that I was like, I was seeing what I was, my, the energy I was putting out. I was seeing what this light was capable of doing to my panicked energy and that it was able to show me I was one with this light. And so therefore, like we had this exchange of my fear base and the unconditional love like exchanging and what happens when it exchanges. And because of that, I started to realize I could not make a wrong choice. There was no wrong choice because all is always working out for all of us. We are all evolving. We are all on our own individual journeys and that no matter what I did, we, she, everything was always going to work out the way it was supposed to work out. We were always going to come back to each other. We always come back and face each other. Once again, we, um, always like once, once, once I passed, I saw my grandmother seeing me, you know, and I knew once my daughter passed, she'd see me seeing her. I just, I, I didn't want to wait to give her that message. Um, I felt like coming back to tell my story would have the bigger, greater change, um, in the long run, um, the piece was very tempting to run into the piece, especially after the hell I'd been living. It was very tempting. Um, and I knew coming back, I was going to not be listened to for quite some time. Um, no one was going to want to listen to my story because they were all going to be very mad at me and disappointed in me. Um, so I knew I was going to have to hold my tongue for a few years and get better first 
get myself into a point where I could integrate what happened to me and I could understand what happened and do, do what, do the best thing I can, you know, with it. Because I do think that, you know, when you have this message in you, it, it is a beautiful story to share, to help encourage others because there were points in my life I could have used the story like this that maybe would have helped me through, you know, something really terrible. So, um, you believed it. Someone would have told you. Yeah. If they, if they, you know, you're right. I don't know. You're right. I don't know. Maybe at certain points, not, not when I was very lost, I probably would have laughed at somebody and been like, yeah, okay. But there are times probably towards the end there, maybe it would have perked my interest. Maybe I would have grabbed onto this story like this, maybe. So if there's someone like that out there, then I did my job. <laughs> so um, I chose to come back and um, it was exactly as I thought, you know, a lot of people mad at me. I um, had, a, I felt like I had to prove a lot to people and humble myself. And, you know, it was hard because people are like, you're like this and you're like this and still talking to me. Like I was my old self. And in my, in my mind, I'm like, you have no idea how different I am. I was so different on the inside, but no one wanted to hear that from me. I mean, I was different pretty much immediately. It definitely got progressive. Like I, as I meditated and did the inner work, I, uh, I learned so much about myself that, you know, but it, it it took a while for anyone to want to hear, hear anything. Cause it's also scary for them to hear because, um, you know, I did it to myself and it was self-destructive behavior that almost took me away from them physically. Um, and they don't want to hear when they, when they know that they don't want to hear, Oh, but I would have been watching over you the whole time. They were like, we want you here. We don't care if you're watching us from over there. We want you physically here. So, um, it took a while for anyone to want to hear my story. So you and I are one of the few that I've heard of that, come back for their children. I come back for my three little boys and you come back for your daughter because uh, I was afraid. I didn't want one thing that happened to me to happen to them. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it's like, I can't stay here. I can't do it. And so I really um, identify with you on that one. And then earlier on the first one, when you said something about, um, I wrote it down. Oh, like you were to observe. Yes. Like, yeah. Um, when I was about 16, the first time I met it's my husband now, um, and I wouldn't meet him for 20 years later, but I walked into, I was out in the smoking area, you know, smoking, drinking, you know, I thought I was cool. And <laughs> all of a sudden this kind of voice said to me, why don't you do something to help yourself instead of hurt yourself for a change, go in and get a hot meal. So mm. I, it was so like profound, like loud. I wasn't real. So, okay. So as soon as I walked through the doors, I saw, <clears throat> they called him Jimmy back then. And he was like the Fonzie type, you know, or not the Fonzie. He was like yeah. the Fonzie, you know, and I was into the Fonzie kind, you know, and I'm like, that's not my type, but something, but something just drew, like had a magnifying glass on him. Like, and I was told to observe, don't approach. And I was told this is what goodness looks like. So I brought that back when you said oh, that wow. you were told, told just to observe. Right, right. Because I was always reacting. I was always putting out energy before I was looking first, you know, and I'm so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, do you feel like people believe you now? Or are you able to own it or how do you wrap your head around it now? 
Yeah, I think um, definitely people believe me now um, because it's like I, I walk what I talk now. It, and I used to really, I anybody that's known me for a long time listens now um, and, and new friends too. Yeah, I have a lot of support on both ends. Um, I guess it was easier to meet new spiritual people and share my story that way. That definitely was a lot easier to be received. Now I'm at the point within this past year, only this past year, that family and close friends and stuff are starting to finally, because they see the change. And it's like, they heard me a few years ago that, you know, they heard what I was saying, didn't want to take it, receive it from me. And now it's like, finally they're yes, they're listening. Finally this year it took, it, this has all been going on. Yeah. It took about five years for everything, you know? And it seems to me like God picks people to come back that, are people going to resonate with? I mean, if we're not going to be preachers in suits, all straight laced and, you know, cause I feel like they kind of had their chance, you know, yeah, right. out there in the grudges of life, you know, and, 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 you know, I'm Southeast Ohio and, you know, you're, you're a young, you know, lady and, you know, the, maybe the drug and alcohol circle, you know, I don't know, but, you know, mm -hmm. Jim, will you get her? I got my grandkids. And, <laughs> and um but you know put us in like ordinary people and uh where we can hear right. it there's a into ear uh, there's a movie they made a movie about him his name's ian mccormick and he was a young man surfing i think the movie's called perfect wave and mm -hmm. he was just young he didn't believe in the christian thing he told his mom like i'm sorry i don't believe in all that and he was out traveling the world surfing and he had a near-death experience I mean, he had the he had the tag on his toe. He was in the morgue. Oh and wow! He when he was in heaven, um, he God told him, he showed him a whole bunch of people, like a big sea of people, and he says something to the effect of, "Now go to them that won't come to my church, that won't come to my house. Go to them." And I kind of think of that sometimes, you know, with indie ears, because we're from all walks of life. We're all personalities. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just your ordinary people and you know some people like well who do they think they are you know talking like this yeah like, i get well that. i think that's apparently what god wants us to go around you know be the average person that you know that they might you know touch somebody that you know is not going to church or may not hear it right <clears throat> i know i've told my story before on the pipeline i was working on the pipeline with my husband and rainpour come or you know hot huddle in the trailer with all these guys and my husband and Start talking about your death experience, and you know, it seems like it all touch one. It all touch one. I was like, wait a minute, you know, I had something like that, and I didn't know what it's called, and and it's like you really gave me something to think about. And so, you yeah. know, where else would that guy hurt it? So, right, right, yeah, we're all help here to help lift each other up, and I feel like in any way we can. I do think. I mean, I was so ashamed of the things I've done. I literally, when I say to you, I mean, I haven't killed anybody before that I know of, but when I say I've done everything, I mean, I've, I've done every shameful act. I felt every shameful emotion. I felt every judgmental and, and angry. I mean, I felt it all. I've done it all. And I've always been honest about it. It's like everybody knows. And so if I've been that person and I found this peace and this inner knowing, then you see that anybody's, anybody is worthy of it. Anybody is able to be a you know tune into this and and find this I mean if I could honestly I mean I think that's what helps is that um is there's nothing I can say oh I didn't do that. I've never done that I've done it and I still was able to 
find my, you know, my higher self and my importance and my divinity, no matter what I did or the things I thought or whatever, it, it doesn't matter, you know? So that was, I think that's how it, it does help, you know? Cause I do think a lot of addicts, a lot of people with eating disorders or they self harm, they, they feel unworthy. They don't feel like, you know, they're seen by any higher power or they're acknowledged by anything bigger than them. And that is just so untrue. And I la I laughed so hard when I saw that after my ND during my NDE when I saw how important I was and how everything was just pouring over me and unconditionally. And then yeah, I'm thinking, it's like wow, you go from self hate to self love. Mm hmm. And that's that's what heals you is self love. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it took me a few years to figure that out. I mean, even after the NDE, I mean, it doesn't heal you right away. You have to integrate it. I mean, I still was associated with, I didn't know how to cope still. I had to, I had to find help in other resources to get me strong enough to let this, you know, be something productive and not destructive. Yeah. I was that kind of teenager and young adult that, you know, I had so much shame I thought I was the worst person on earth because my family always told me that in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my ex, his family, you know, just like I was never good enough. And so it's just like everybody was up here and I could never just get there, you know, and it's always mm -hmm. reminded me that you, that you were nothing. You're never going to be worthy. You're never going to, um, you know, be good enough. And, and so I believed all those lies. And then once you, you know, whatever experience or whatever you do to bring, you know, to understand that, um, that you're not all that, that you never right. was all that. And that leads people to a suicide attempt or, you know, a drug or alcohol abuse. Um, cause you know, those are lies we were told and lies we start telling ourselves. And yeah, I mean, people put, some people put down self-love. They think that's bad. That's conceited. It's like, I know you gotta have self-love before you can help anybody else. Right, right. You have you have nothing to offer anyone if you are not tuned in first to yourself. You know, it's like going around the house and with a vacuum. You don't plug the vacuum in, but you go through the motions without plugging it in. Like you're yeah, you're gonna make marks on the carpet, but you're not gonna you know do what you're intending to do. You gotta plug in first. You know, I if I have to, people will call me selfish if I say I need ten minutes in the morning to meditate before I come out of my room. I'm sorry if you think that's selfish, but if I do that, the person that's emerging from my bedroom is going to be way, way better to, to interact with than if I just stumble out because I just woke up and you need something from me. Just give me 10 minutes and everybody will have a better day. <laughs> yeah. So, that's self-love. <laughs> yeah. Like you got to have, you got to have something to give, you know, mm -hmm. it's like if you're running on empty and you're not going to have anything else to give anybody and yeah, I get it. So uh, you're so young. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, when I, my second NDI was um, 25 and there was no such thing that I knew of at the time that is in near death experience. And so you're so fortunate that, you know, there's the internet that you can find information. You can find out you're not alone. I mean, you're so much further on the game than I was. And when <laughs> I was young and then it, and I was so scared to come out for so long. So I'm still like that. I'm still like that. Like come out, like socialize and stuff. Yeah. I, I hide all the time. I, I even have trouble with relationships um, because I do like to be in my own element in my own. I find that now through meditation or if I sit in a state of appreciation with music or whatever, I, I can connect again to that place. I can, it's funny. It's like a, a, a consciousness, like my consciousness rises to higher consciousness at some points and I can, 
join back into that place of my higher <laughs> being. And I do find myself loving being able to do that. And when I'm around other people's energy, it's a little harder to be tuned in there. So I do get very selfish with being alone and having my own time because I do feel like energy does affect me now. So if somebody comes over, they're all stressed and they're like wanting to talk to me. I, I'll, sometimes I can't. I just can't do it. I used to. I I used to be able. I used to be one of the drama. I love the drama. The drama gave you know. I was thri I thrived off it. But now I can't. I'm like, can't, someone sneezes too loud. I'm like, ah, who is that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's a little lonely, but you know, not if you are, you know, connected to your, you know, yourself, you, you should be all right. I've been, I've been trying to, to remind myself of that, that I'm enough. So, yeah, I can think I really got this, you know, I'm staying in the light, I'm doing good. And then something will happen. These ridiculous people come at me and I'm like, really, I got to deal with <laughs> this ridiculousness again, over and over. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, it, yep. it, I think it takes practice to learn to stay in the light, like where you are when you're alone and, and bring that around other people. Mm -hmm. Like I like was an introvert and, and learning to take all that that I have and then, okay, now share it to people instead of getting angry, like understand they just don't see. So I got to explain this to them. They just, you know, instead right. of get angry about it. Gosh, you don't get this. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take this baby steps, explain it. And, and I help them get there because it's just like total chaos. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That I, I definitely have to get better at doing that, bringing my light around people and, and you know, being stable, stable in it, no matter what's going on around me. I, I am still mastering that. It's I'm a little bit of a baby. still. I'm like locked in my room. <laughs> like I should stay out. <laughs> I'll, I'll get there. I think. <laughs> well, that's okay. You're doing good. How old your daughter now? You froze up. I don't know where you went. You froze. I'm going to message you on Facebook till you froze. There you are. I messaged Dina. you. Said so you froze. <laughs> yeah, I did. Sorry. <laughs> so, how old is your daughter now? Thirteen. And she was two when this happened. No. Um. Oh. The second one, she was seven. Two thousand sixteen. Oh, okay. She was born in two thousand eight. She was. She was like eight, seven or eight. Oh, okay. I don't worry. I got two. At. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. She, there's a big connection with me and her spiritually and my grandmother. Um, I do feel that now. I do feel like my grandmother wasn't ever going to let me fail her, my daughter. Um, I, when I got pregnant, I was petrified. Um, I was young and my grandmother actually came to my apartment and she was like, she was like the best. She was an angel. And I didn't really, I didn't, I wasn't close with my mother growing up. So my grandmother was feminine, you know, the only feminine woman comfort in my life, you know, I feel like women are so much more maternal. And so she was the one that I went to for that. So she came to my apartment when I found out I was pregnant and she's like, don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to show you everything. I'll be here for you. And, um, she died two days later after she, she said that to me, she just died wow. out of nowhere two days later. Um, 
and I just I remember being having my little belly at her at her funeral and just being like what am I gonna do now like what am what am I gonna do now I, I have no idea and so I named my daughter after her and I always felt like from you know I feel like she's keeping me in my daughter's life because she was I don't think she ever was gonna let me leave I really don't. I think, I really think that's why that first NDE, she was just trying to get, she didn't want me to really have this big, huge thing. I think she wanted me to observe and see that she was there still. She'd always been there, you know, and give me the tools or the the message I needed to return to life and live as the best mother I could. Um, And coming back from my first NDE, there was an article in the paper, like the day or two later about what happened. And they didn't have my name in it, but they had my age, my street and what happened. And I was getting messages from friends for a few days. Did, was this you? Did this happen? I mean, it was the street I lived on my age. Every, I mean, it was obvious it was me, uh-huh. but I was so, I was so ashamed. I was said, no, I said it was not me. I denied it. And because of doing that, I, I denied what had happened to me. And I lost, it's like, I lost that message that my grandmother had tried to give and give me that first time. I really feel like if I tuned in and listened, maybe things would have changed a little sooner. And I think, uh, you know, there were me and a few of my friends circling the drain after after that and into 2015, which is when my, my best friend died. And I feel like after that, he was relentless with trying to get me to stop. Like he would do things while I was doing stupid stuff, like to communicate with me where I feel like he was like, Nicole, one of us had one of us already dropped dead. Please stop. Like for because he loved my daughter, too. I feel like him and my grandmother between the two of them, they were really kind of just like holding me in this life as much as they could, as long as they could till I saw the light so that I would live in, in this way and be there for my, my daughter, and my family. I, they, they, I, I feel like we all have a, like people cheering us on and, you know, watching over us every moment. We the all have that angel. little army of people. Yes. Or yeah. Guardian angels. I think, you know, passed on loved ones. I don't think it ever ends. I think there's just like an army, this army, infinite army of, of, yeah, the ones closer to you or closer by, but I think it just, it's this infinite army of people you've known your entire being, you know, and never ends. When my mother-in-law passed almost two years ago, uh, like the day before her funeral, I saw this little vision of her, like, and I never knew her mother. But it was like, oh, right, I knew her mother, but not her mother's mother. Yeah. All these women in the past, like, like we're passing the torch to you now, like for me to take care of the grandchildren, mm-hmm. and, and they're like they're passing this, like they're leaving this to me now. And I just felt so honored, and yeah, it That's just beautiful. yeah. And if you stop and think about it, you know, I said the other day, they say, you know, we we're in our grandmother's womb because when our mothers when our, were in our grandmother's womb, we were embryo in our mother's right. womb. So it's just Mother. like, and, it, and somebody said the other day, they think that it's the grandpas that always come through that people see us. I don't know. It seems to me like it's more the grandmothers that people see mm-hmm. on their side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess it depends on the bond, depends on the connection that you have with them. True. So I appreciate you coming on and telling your story. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Okay. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.